0: Say goodbye to restrictive weight loss methods and hello to iVeam, the number one prescriber of GLP-1 medications. GLP-1s curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy, and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. iVeam is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable, and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for free and get 20% off our accessibility programs.
1: welcome welcome you guys this is our season finale i can't believe it i can't either this is our 24th episode of the plus size (laughs) podcast (laughs) that's right that's our special gift for our special friends that's right he's cute right i got her two bears <laughs> and then, sorry, sorry, we have tough people are here. Hey, listen. So this is a special, special, special episode. Um, we will have Dr. Albert join us to talk more about the future of GLP-1s, but this episode is going to be us looking back on the things that have happened over the past several months, the things that we've learned, the moments that we've had, the healing that we've done. Um, and it's it's cool. I I hope that you guys like it, but we're just going to have a good time and talk about our favorite moments today. And then after that, we will have on Dr. Albert. So we're looking back and looking forward. So let's uh, y'all know who we are. Like if you're watching, if you're a season finale, I'm Kim. That's Kat, that's JT, slash Janine, slash the Majora flight attendant. (laughs) And you know, our socials are at the bottom if you want to follow us. Yay. (laughs) But obviously we're here and we are talking about GLP-1 medications and obesity and not even just that, like this next season coming up for the Looking Forward, we're going to talk about a lot more stuff. We're going to take it a little further. We're going to talk about preventative care, people who don't have obesity yet. You know, we're going to talk about, yeah. um, we're gonna talk about a lot of different stuff. Like you can't see food noise. We're going to, we're going to go pretty deep. We are, we're going to talk to people who have had bariatric surgery and are not taking GLP ones and the way that they've lost. Like we're talking about it all. We're talking about it. We all. are. So yeah, we got a menopause episode planned. We got lots of good stuff. This conversation could go on for a long time and we are excited for the community to be a part of that. If you're interested in being on the show. FYI, you can go to our website and click on to submit your story. And it's just a Google form. It's four questions. And then you submit that. You just tell us what we're looking for is kind of your underlying stuff. Like what this, what stuff are you dealing with? Is it food noise? Is it PCOS? Is this resistance? Like what is it? And then we can align with the correct specialist so that we can have a really nice episode where we talk about You know, your community story. And then the validation comes from the doctors on the clinical side to go, yeah, that makes sense because science, right? So that's what we look to do here. We're trying to change the narrative. We're trying to remove the stigma. We know it's a big job and we need each other to do it. So we need that. If you are watching this episode, please subscribe. If you haven't already, it is free. If you want to be Mm -hmm. a paid subscriber and get bonus content, you can, but we do not gate knowledge at the plus sides. And if you are listening, if you're listening on our audio podcast, Please subscribe again. It's free and also do ratings and reviews for us because that's how we get loud. That's how more people learn about our podcast and learn about what we're doing and are a part of the conversation and a part of the movement. So we hope that you guys will all hang with us while we do that. But for today, we have a montage. We have a montage in case you don't know, Lydia has joined our team from our community and she's our social media manager now. And she's gone through and taken some like, uh, you know, top moments big hits special things like aha moments things like that over the past 23 episodes that have happened
2: 23? Um,
1: 23 this is 24 this is 24 Woo. and we've we already got the whole month planned out and we've got so many Woo. doctors and a very special surprise for our um season premiere of season two so i hope that you will all check in for that it's very good um and i hope well we have good things coming good things coming anywho let's let's get started you want to say hey right quick i just ran my mouth a lot hey what you got hey. what you saying <laughs> who you is
3: <laughs> okay. hey who wants to go first you can go, okay, first, go Kat. first i'm cat you're to my right <laughs> at cat carter seven yeah on tiktok um I've lost 66, 67, depending on what the day um, <laughs> of the week, 67 pounds on Manjaro. I'm just going to say it like a Midwesterner. Like oh, I, yeah,
1: Manjaro. Oh, Manjaro. Yeah.
3: I got that Manjaro. Manjaro. You know, I'm from Omaha. Oh, yeah,
1: you know, the Manjaro, yeah.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, And that's that's me in a nutshell. I'm a real nut. And there's some got to say hello to the Atlian, He He's our resident, my resident Prince fan, you know, this stuff. But, you know, there's... I've I've been told I have a shrine behind me. But it might be. I, I might, yeah. Oh yeah. Too. I got a print shrine. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. But that's it. That's here. That's that's me. Binge disorder. Mangiro helps out a lot quite a bit.
4: And that's it.
5: Mangiro. Well, mm. I am v on all the socials. First name, Janine. Last name, Trot Like a Horse. Um, I I have type 2 diabetes. Trot Like a Horse. I never heard you say that. <laughs> 23, <laughs> 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 23 episodes. That got me it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's me. <laughs> um, um, I have type 2 diabetes. I uh, sh- struggle with late-in-life obesity. And I have a... An autoimmune disease, uh, Sjogren's syndrome, which is, we're now talking about it. Not us, but mm-hmm. it's now being more openly talked about. So um, I am the Maljaro flight attendant, and I'm on the Maljaro. I'm on the Maljaro. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you know,
1: I feel like this whole episode, <laughs> we should talk about the Maljaro, uh, you know, because so that's why. You're from the we're
5: about the man <laughs>
6: But you made a really
1: good point in like the other episode where you were like, "Hey, like it's like it's like Kilimanjaro, like climbing the mountain." Yeah, it's, like, oh god, it's actually probably I, if you thought about it,
5: if they had positioned it that way, like in the commercials. Yeah. Okay, you but, know? But, but but see, that right there might be a mountain. Oh my god, it totally is, JT.
1: Oh, how did I not pick up on that? I'm freaking marketing.
5: Look, <laughs> I, look I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I guess the South Dakota so and true, never so after true. life and me is
1: Benjiro. Oh, you know, yeah,
5: mineral. <laughs> <Benjiro. laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, cool. Wow. So intro is good. Um, so we hope you'll hang with us. It should be a good episode. And if you haven't seen all the episodes, this is a really good way to figure out what they're about. So and you can go pick which one you want to watch. You know, we hope yeah. you'll do it. It's a big deal. Figure Come on out. now. <laughs> it's a, all right.
5: It's a real big deal, and then you can it see is. how our faces have shrunk.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you totally can see. Yes, you could see the, the evolution. Yes, that's yes. for sure. We are we are evolving indeed. Definitely. Awesome. So just keep in mind, guys, like I, I feel like I kind of said it in the beginning, but like this has evolved, and, and this is something JT said in the very beginning. She's like, it's not just obesity, Kim, it's health. And I'm like, mm, it's obesity. And she's like, mm, it's not. She's not wrong. It's, it is health. It's about it's about health in general, and it's it is about obesity, but it's about related diseases and disorders that cause obesity. You know, either now or in the future, and like how to treat them proactively. Hopefully, so they never happen. You know, so we've got to talk about that. And includes type two diabetes. So we're going to talk about that too. Okay. So anyway, it's about health season two. <laughs> All right.
7: Let's get started. Babies. You
1: guys ready? I'm gonna bring in the bean footage, not the bean footage, the beautiful bean footage. This is the montage because you know every show needs a montage. We
7: need a montage, need
1: all a right. Montage. And we can stop as we go through and we can have moments like we go through some stuff, you know, and you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, here we go. Let's give it here a shot. Go. It's new technology.
8: Oh Let's go. welcome,
1: welcome. <laughs> this is the plus sides podcast. Yes. The goal of this podcast is to bring education. And advocacy around obesity. We want to elevate the conversation of something that people don't really talk about very much
9: obesity and p- how people are not treated fairly, and there's a weight bias and fat phobia in medicine.
1: So I think it's really important because here's the thing. There are not a lot of people that are always going to be able to get access to an obesity specialist doctor, you know, but there are plenty out there that understand these medications and they aren't necessarily doctors. They're nurse practitioners, they're GPs, you know, and that is really, really important because they change lives, too. So I think it's cool that you're open like that, because honestly, I don't know about you guys, but I had like doctor aversion. Like I, I, in general, I hated going, I was always bad news. They always told me everything was my fault. They always felt like I made me feel like I was lazy or stupid or whatever it was. And like, Mm -hmm. this has been a completely different experience for me.
9: My goal was when I started to practice was bring like forward thinking and new age treatments and medicine to a small town, bring Vanderbilt to Owensboro you know and so be be innovative be you know and so I think that's where my passion for all these topics came from yeah
3: I white knuckled mm -hmm. and lost weight many times um my first successful diet was when I was 12 now I'd been overweight before but at age 12 I um decided to in addition to basketball practices um I would go jogging every night and you know do calisthenics and stuff. Um, It worked. Um, And I would say, long story short, I I learned um, that was uh, a way to get uh, attention and love from my mother.
10: Um, Here's what I think some of my thoughts that it breaks down to is that the obesity medicine community has been underserved always. They've Mm. not ever had a voice. They've Mm. not ever had sound medical advice where they've been taken seriously, where they've really been listened to. And so it's, it's compounded on many aspects. Number one, access to that care, extremely limited. There's not enough specialists. There's not enough people that know this information that are willing to help in this area. So even if you're someone that wants to get this help, there might not be anyone in your city, in your town, even within a you know an hour or two driving. So yeah. telehealth provides the opportunity for that specialist to have greater reach, Again, right? this, the, this community where, where people have been struggling with weight, they've been so stigmatized and biased when they go into the doctor that there's almost like a trauma response with that. And yes. so a lot of, like right, like a lot of my patients, and this is actually me included myself when I got help with this, I felt more comfortable accessing a telehealth telehealth health platform where I could be in the comfort of my home. I could I could maybe be in a car if I needed to fit into my life. But I felt more comfort than going in in this panic of like they're going to get me on the scale. Yeah. And then the doctor, you know when they do that like that one two, they look you up and down, and it's yeah. like all of that, right? And again, I think we're getting better at that. I think we're educating more. But unfortunately, there are just a lot of medical providers that are not up to speed as far as this being a a chronic medical condition and how to help and how to recognize their own bias and stigma. Like I even had to realize
5: this and work on it. I am, uh, I'm a type two diabetic and I lead off with that because I am genetically predisposed to diabetes, doing my best to manage my weight and you know, trying to manage the diabetes with diet and exercise worked mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but after a while, it just stopped working. Yeah. And my-
11: so, as you said, I do not diet and I do not exercise, and that was a choice that I made at the very beginning because I have dieted and exercised to try to lose weight, uh, basically my entire adult life, and yeah. it never yeah. worked for me, and exercising is exhausting, obviously, Uh, But going to the gym for my mental health was terrible. Um, I always thought people were staring at me and I always thought, well, what's the point? And, and I know it does good in the end, but it just never resonated in my mind that it was a good thing. Um, but yeah, so I choose not to diet because I don't want to be restricted. I want to know what it's like to have a healthy relationship with food. So in turn, I tell people I'm using this medication as a tool. I want it to teach me that I am perfectly capable of making a healthy portion size and being perfectly okay with it. And I don't have to push myself to the limit that I am so full that I'm extremely uncomfortable. So I... I, I, made that decision on my own and I'm really glad that I did because yeah. I am for all the people that are choosing to diet and exercise because that's the way that they're losing the weight and it's yeah. perfect for them. But yeah. for someone like me who does not do well with restriction, um, yeah. this is yeah. how it's worked for me and it's yeah. one thirty-seven down. So I think I'm doing okay. But yeah. You know, I've always,
3: always loved fitness. I, um, I think sometimes it turned into a little bit like purging where you over exercise and you work out
5: like three times a day. I did fall into that um, once in a while. I'm just so glad to be here to educate and to advocate for all of those that need this medication and GLP ones period.
12: Nice. I've been talking to patients about GLP (laughs) ones. I've been talking to them about how, you know, they don't have to say things like, I know I could be trying harder. Yeah. Because it's so yeah. ingrained in them that yeah. just giving their normal effort yeah. is like substandard because yeah. it's beaten into them. They have to give this superhuman effort all the time. Yes. Yes. And that
1: was when GLP once came up and I'm glad they did because I was terrified to start, but it is for sure changed my life. I mean, just what it's done for my brain, like the, the food noise, the, not just food noise, it turns <laughs> out it was really noisy in there, like a yeah. lot, like, about everything all the time. Like I would unwind my day in my head. I would worry about things that I had no control over, constantly obsessively. And it just went like this, turned off that fast. Mm -hmm. So that's been incredible for me. But I would love to know, I I, like how GLP-1s in general, like how do they really work, you know, and how are they like or unlike, you know, bariatric surgery?
12: GLP-1s are amazing. And they are a paradigm shift game-changing medication, whatever superlatives you want to throw out on there are for the most part appropriate. And the way they work is really innovative. You know, some studies are starting to show and certainly reports from patients who are on the medications, all of those added benefits. After you eat a full meal, you may not worry about what's going on. You just may feel satisfied and good. Yeah. And that can be the decrease in food chatter that people talk about, the yeah. decrease in anxiety, a a calmness that they experience on this medication, all of those sort of ancillary benefits that people are reporting, um, typically because of GLP-1. People on GLP-1s, you know, who experience less anxiety, maybe there's a role for those medications strictly for anxiety. And I have patients who have come seeing me who need to lose five to 10 pounds but have heard about the anti-anxiety effect of these medications. And are asking me to put them on the meds yeah. and for the
1: All right, I have to pause it there. That was a moment for me, y'all.
3: A great when pause he said for you. That- look at Kim's face. I know, right? <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what I look like. And my right? eyes I mean, are closed. Kat's just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I know. I I oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a big mm-hmm. moment for me. And here, like, cause I remember being like, I never thought I remembered being like mm, dr rosen
2: i call bullshit
1: like i remember that i remember being like five to ten pounds really but that was early that was episode five and way before we knew about all the different studies and all of the different yep. health things you know and disorders and diseases you know that these things treat ongoing. with and like Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, it's it's ongoing and it's never ending. Like, it's like, I, I can't eat, like the fact that they're testing it for addiction now. Like, so what? If you have addiction and you don't, you only have five pounds to lose or no weight that you really have to do, you can't take this medication. Like none of that makes sense. But then I was like, mm, I don't know about this guy, <laughs> you know, turns out he's right. And, you know, I think
5: that we've learned. I that. believed him. You, did? Believed you him. did? You believed him, JT? Um. Yes, I met him from the get. And yeah. I don't know why. I mean, but I do love him though. <laughs> it, it is just something about Dr. Rosen where you can mm-hmm. feel his passion for yes. medicine and for yes. helping people. And I just felt that he would not have said that unless he had something to back it up.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and like I think he, you know, he's seen it all, right? Like he's yeah, he's he's seen it all. And and like he just had a better, I think broader perspective than we, when we did, you know? And so when he said it, I was kind of, I don't know about the gurus, but at the end of the day, all that we've learned, it makes sense. It tracks. Anyway, I just had to pause there. That was a big moment for me. You know, y'all let me know if I come to a moment that you want to talk
2: about. (laughs) Just be like, (laughs)
12: okay. Right patience. I think it's a reasonable application.
2: Like you all said, we got together through this TikTok community. I downloaded TikTok last summer <laughs> and I started getting on my FYP stuff about GLP-1 medications. i would never even heard of a GLP-1 medication. Oh. So it was yeah. like, we well, go v, and Manjaro. And it was um, Sam loses it and Nurse April. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're on my page, like real, real right away. And I'm like, huh, what's this? This sounds really like me. Like this is really interesting. So yeah. at the time I'd been struggling with obesity. I love how you said genetic obesity. That's mm-hmm. and predisposition for so many things. I have everyone in my family is obese. Mm-hmm. I have one sister, my mother, my father, I have six aunts, my uncle, they're all obese. Um, many of them are have type 2 di- they're you know type 2 diabetic. There's just like it just runs in my family. Yeah. So, so
1: I'm curious what your um what was everything like with the obesity doctor? Like, did you feel like they heard you a little bit more than maybe like another doctor that wasn't a specialist
2: in the area? Mm-hmm. Yes. So absolutely. So I felt like I mean, just even getting in a conversation with her immediately jumping on, she was like, Okay, so tell me about your, you know, tell me about your story. Like what have you done to try and lose weight in the past? Yeah. I'm like, I've done everything I've done. Atkins, I've done right. Weight Watchers. I've done uh, the special K diet. I've done oh, yeah Ugh, fast, That was the I've worst cereal. The worst. <laughs> I, I, cur- I, I, at the time I was on something called plenity, which was like, you take these gel capsules, like nine of them a day and they make Ugh. you feel really full and bloated and horrible.
9: It oh, was God. horrible. So
2: at the time mm. I was on that, And, um, I was like, I've, I've done everything. Like I've been on a diet since the first time I realized I was overweight was in sixth grade.
13: I bring people (laughs) to tears for many reasons. So (laughs) I have fought the disease of obesity since I was eight years old. And, you know, that's not something that I think any of us really realize, you know, until recently that obesity is a disease and, You know, I just forever blamed myself for all of the reasons that society tells us that people with Mm -hmm. um, weight issues, you know, it's their fault. They they make you feel like, um, you know, it's um, it's something that is tied to your work ethic. It's tied to your 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 morals and that if you can't control the size of your body, that it has direct ties to your moral worth. And you know, that's just not true. And people could have told me that it's a disease. Um, yeah. But without taking this medication, I don't know that I would have believed them Yeah, um, because I think it is so powerful that I'm taking a medication that I've had, I've had binge eating disorder also since I was eight years old Um, and the medication shuts it off. It flips it off like a switch for me. And so I just, I've, I've wrestled with this so much in my head. There's no way, how was I going to do that by myself? How was I going to do that without a medication? How is it possible that this, disorder that i have is not tied to these hormones that the medication affects the biggest
1: yeah i was just thinking about that moment with rachel and
13: rachel with her for her facial expression just frozen. i know, I know.
1: Like, <laughs> and look at you your <laughs> eyes are closed jt looks great yeah
13: yeah
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> but Kim I was just was thinking disgusted. about that moment where where she was like specifically talking about not believing it. Right, like not believing that if you hadn't taken anyone to believe it, and and I feel like like JT and I talk about it a lot because we talk about it with Dave, right? Like we're like GLP one evangelists. We're like, oh, let the spirit move you, like because we've experienced it, and we just want everyone to know. So it's like very much this. Ep- I feel like this episode and all of them is like shouting from the rooftops, right? Like let me tell you about my pain, and let me tell you about how it's gone, you know. And yeah. I I think that's a that's a big moment, and kind of like the way the show was set up, you know, is that it continues to be like that for us being like, did you know my life's different? You know? So I think that's yeah. a big one because even Rosie said, she's like, I would have never believed it if I hadn't taken it. Never believed it. And then someone on the on the community recently mentioned, they were like, it's sort of like the red pill, blue pill when you're talking about the matrix. And I'm like, but I don't want people to think of it that way because, you know, things weren't so good on the other side. <laughs> like. You know, it really the Matrix looked a little better. I'm not gonna lie. If I knew there was a Matrix, I think I'd stay in the real world plugged in. I'm not gonna lie. But, you, you know, so? I think I would. I don't know. I don't need gruel. I, even now on GLP Ones, I don't need that gruel nastiness they ate in that movie. I love that movie. So I love that movie. Yeah, oh, that nastiness. Anyways. That's gross. Yeah. And they but got plugs is- in the head. No, I'll have the steak with the guy that, you know. Yeah, and the, and the glass you know of, of red, I'm saying? red wine. I'm yes, going to yeah. hang out with the red wine and the steak and my blissful, and like,
3: ignocibly <laughs> unaware of all of this. Yes. The
1: yeah. difference is, is that it was not blissful before and it is blissful after. So I
3: feel like it's sort yeah. of
1: inverted, But it is like that. You don't really realize until you like actually have the experience you know Mm -hmm. i wish it was a little different i wish people could understand a little earlier they didn't feel like they had to take it but it is what it is (laughs) all
13: right thing for me with these medications is just total freedom freedom from hating myself
5: Mm -hmm. and
13: if i didn't lose another pound I would still advocate for these medications. I the- yeah, I
14: think ADHD one. is a little different. There's mm-hmm. a number of addictive pathways that GLP-1s also work on.
13: Mm-hmm.
14: Um, a
1: lot of what Rachel said is true, right, in the in the dopaminergic pathways of yeah. um, using food as a reward system. Um, GLP-1s can also help with those. So they've been seen to help with alcohol addictions, help with smoking, help with shopping addiction.
15: Yes. Still, yeah. At
16: 550 pounds, I was still working 80 hours a week. Um, physically do you know doing doing a, a chef job, and I was as a chef. Uh, if anybody else knows-
3: I just want to say, look how much smaller Jamie's face is now versus. Oh, I know.
1: Yeah.
16: Yes, wow.
1: and he's losing again. He's been losing. You know, still I don't want to like say his business. You know what I mean? But like, um, you know, he's he's on his road to weight loss surgery. That's evident. He talks about it almost on his TikToks. But yeah. Yeah, it is so much smaller. And he has a dimple now.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's like, look, it's a dimple. I love it. Yeah. Look at my insane hair. I
1: don't. I I. Don't I, I like it, like though. You <laughs> kind of like, it's sort of like Dr. Myrush, where she looks like a mad scientist. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, I don't She's mind. Just like, I'm just fabulous. fabulous. Uh, yes, yeah, like I'll a mad dark. science hair. <laughs> Weird science. There you go. pop yeah. Culture
3: reference. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Or Great Scott. Great Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Purple great but, yeah, purple, exactly. but good you know, props i mean bravo I like jamie it. your face
4: I know. has yeah I know.
3: <laughs> well, yeah because
16: yeah. yep. right. you don't sit around and eat all day. Know. You, you know you're just it's not what happens you know so i know a lot about food i know a tremendous amount of nutrition um i know how to eat you know in the back of your mind like you know my son my son doesn't have a mom anymore you know i don't i in the back of mine, I, I don't want him not to have a dad, you know. Um, also, you know, my three little girls. Um, you know, and that's all that stuff. And, and no matter how much you want to do it, if you you know obesity is a disease, if you don't have the tools to help fight it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, to, how much you want it. It doesn't matter you can't will yourself to lose weight. I think that um, you know, I'm I'm at the
17: other end of my journey. And so it's easy to forget sometimes, um, that you know. Just listening to you talk, Jamie, just reminded me of a lot of things that I've struggled through, and I've forgotten it. That's the beauty of it. You get to a certain point where you just sort of forget. And I had a, 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 a one of my doctors tell me once, you know, you're well when you forget you have the diagnosis. Mm.
5: Oh, wow! Yeah, and
17: wow. almost it's like listening to. You, I was like, whoa.
1: Yeah, JT. Can,
5: can I just say? Well, you all know I, I I absolutely heart Dr. Catherine Toomer, but that was a moment for me because when I I just started to actually see the transformation in the mirror, even though I knew that there were you know metabolic changes going on in my body, it's another thing when you see it. And when she said that, it's like you almost forget that you were in that state. Yeah.
1: I feel like I aspire to that so much. I hope that I get there. Yeah.
5: It's uh, you, you will. And it's not that like now it seems normal that I can wear jeans in my closet. I don't even think twice about it. Now it's like, Oh, okay. But when it first happened, I I was utterly amazed. Even there, I was still like, wow, I'm starting to see it.
15: Yeah.
17: Maybe I'm fine. (laughs) I went into congestive heart failure. um, That was misdiagnosed as something else, mainly because I was tired. I was having difficulty breathing. Every time I moved around, I was short of breath. And I kept being told it was because of my weight. Um, and ah. so I, 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 was, I went undiagnosed much longer than I should have, even though as a physician, I knew something was wrong. I knew it was something more, but the other thing that happens with doctors and one of the reasons why we don't treat our family members is that we wish away pathology.
0: Mm-hmm. I
14: am from Birmingham, Alabama, uh, born and raised in the, in the area and, you know, the South The Southern food has always been, you know, we've got a a tradition of that, right? And I was born, you know, 10 pounds, six ounces. Like I've never in my life been skinny ever. Um, I've never known a normal weight my whole life. And so, you know, when I was a a little girl, I was diagnosed with a a pretty rare hip disease. Um, It's called leg birth So um, I was not able to run or jump or... Do any kind of weight bearing exercises from the age of like four. Tell your four year old not to run and jump Um, (laughs) until I was about nine or 10. So I wore leg braces, like the whole thing. And that really, you know, was um, a hindrance for me personally. But I know that that was something that kind of kick started my obesity, you know, the beginnings of it for sure. Mm -hmm. I have lost since August, my highest weight in August of last year, I have lost. Almost eighty pounds, wow, seventy-eight. That's amazing.
2: amazing there,
14: and that to me tells me, like, I finally know what it's like to live in a body that is not actively working against me everywhere yeah. I turn. It is yeah. so eye-opening to yes. not have that noise, that voice inside your head that's constantly telling you, "Eat, eat, eat." What are we eating next? When is our next
15: meal? I remember writing myself out a diet when I was in second grade, and I still have it. it has it has infographics on it and what i was going to eat and i showed one of my brothers and he's like i'll help you and i'm like looking back i was thinking about this today in second grade i was doing this um and i always call i mean i was always i don't i think i was really obese until i gained 30 pounds in high school but i was always the bigger friend so then that's where i brought in comedy and um makeup and doing anything to divert
1: Man, do I ever relate with that. So, first of all, mm-hmm. I love that this is when I was at the beach. And I love that I had a moment there, like, during this whole process where I was in the sand and in the waves and having just an amazing, incredible experience and moment with my child. And I could never do that before. I could never. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And it was just really cool to be able to, like, be in a moment and live my life. And I feel like that's what I remember having a moment when I was there and going, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. You know? And I, I totally understand what Lisa's saying here about the funny thing. Like that's exactly what I did. Like I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be funny. I knew when you're funny, people don't usually pay attention to your physical as much because everybody wants someone funny around, you know? And I, I did the same thing. It's like a coping mechanism, you know? Anyway, that was just a moment for me. So
15: Um, I grew up in a big Italian family where food it's like any culture right where you have a rich culture food is a big part of it so it was like and i'm sure everybody can relate to this happy sad any emotion any celebration being it happy or sad um food was involved and then i discovered this amazing community on tiktok and all of you and i feel like i finally am in a place where i can
2: my stupid manjaro
13: slash ozempic dupe anyway that was it <laughs> I just <laughs> noticed my name <laughs> hey, your
7: your
1: name on there for listening audience oh my so Kat, god that's when Cat started that? like every I mean remember you started like names. changing your um you're yeah. changing your like screen name to something like omg <laughs> technology cat and oh, yeah. manjaro slash ozempic dupe
3: yeah I remember <laughs> that was that stupid tiktok where a lady was like that was like this,
1: like this is a this,
3: this is,
1: is an Olympic dupe. dupe. No, it's gonna, no, it's,
3: it's gonna not.
1: Gonna oh going
3: it's not. your
5: yeah, appetite. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah.
1: Ma'am, no.
3: No, no. Anyway, that's it, it. people were, people totally were buying it too. People were totally
1: buying it. Oh, really? Because yeah, put put people have been sick hard. for a really long time. And that goes back to that lack of accessibility and affordability we always talk <laughs> about, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. easy to fall back into diet culture and go, okay, that's the thing I need, the dupe. No, dupes don't exist for this, y'all. We wish they did. Things Uh, are changing, like we've seen that certainly. This is about halfway through at this point on this episode. So, Mm -hmm. this was the speculating our faces off episode. Remember, we all just like give our opinion and ran our mouths and stuff like that. And I don't want to say I told you so, but I did.
5: I (laughs) was waiting for (laughs) that, girl. I'm a Scorpio, you know, it was coming. You know we're waiting because you called it. You said, look, you said that there was going to be another savings card. There is no way Mm -hmm. that they were going to leave all of these. And then
1: there's the e-voucher, the workaround. Right. You don't spend millions of dollars going to market to just drop your patients within six months of an approval for the other indication. That's exactly what happened. They have the e-voucher. Listen, I didn't want to say it.
4: That's okay. Say it. Say it. Uh, we all know. <laughs> Look, say it. Say it. <laughs> so, I was right. cross capitalism,
1: trust greed.
10: <laughs> I was right. I Listen, it. Sometimes I'm
1: wrong. It just wasn't this time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Talk
15: about this stuff and I can share my experiences. and it's it, so it is, it's interesting. It's a really interesting feel. I've been in, a part of discussions with these people and um, you know, we have the big pharma side. So, so, trust me, I am also a patient. I work in big pharma, but I'm also a patient, so I understand what people are saying about about the big pharma side. But I also understand how that, what those
4: discussions look like
2: yeah. with
4: PMs and they are gnarly sometimes. Ben so. is an adult. Um, I was just never good enough. I was never, you know, pretty enough, skinny enough, whatever enough for for men in particular. Um, so you know, I'd gain weight. Would be like, hey, you know, you need to do this, that, and the other. It's embarrassing. It's whatever. Um, I would work out all the time. I've done I've done kickboxing. I've done um, most recently CrossFit. I've done everything in between yoga, spin classes, swimming, aerobics, and five o'clock in the morning. Um, you name it, I've done it. Um, I've been on every restrictive diet: Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, uh, Noom um i started doing like factor meals where i would only eat just like those specific meals and count my calories i've always logged food to the point where it's become obsessive like it just distracted from my everyday life and i didn't want to live like that anymore
1: i it drives me insane when someone will say to me keep it up because all i hear when they say that you are not enough and you haven't done enough yet and it reminds me every single time i have ever failed before this is
18: exciting i love what you're doing here i love uh what you stand for i love this idea of really what i love the idea of in general is taking the stigma out of the word obesity Uh, i have used it freely in my vernacular with
5: can i just say this episode uh, like, I, I mean, uh, all the episodes made my heart jump, but this really made my heart jump because Dave and I, Man on the Mount Jaro, actually connected back in like late January, early February of 2023. And I don't even know why I'm like starting to get emotional. And he was one of the first creators that I ever followed to learn about these medications on YouTube. And one day I looked through his description and I emailed him. I emailed him and I said, you know, you really inspire me. And I thanked him and I said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing quite yet, (laughs) but I'm going to figure it out. And he actually responded, and um, from that point on, I subscribed to his channel. I'm still a subscriber. And uh, you never know who you are affecting. And that man from the Midwest helped this little chocolate girl via YouTube. Yeah. I didn't even know to drink electrolytes. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. And the fact that he volunteered to come on. Yeah. And I said, wow, thank you. And it was just so free. So. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. And
1: like, all he ever does is plug our show. And, you know, he's just like a guy Is just as into this as we are, and he is our our our
3: forever
5: GLP one evangelist. I know. (laughs) Hello, Yeah, exercise
3: the demons. (laughs) This house is (laughs) clear
2: Love it.
3: it.
1: Yeah. That was a great episode. But people who I'm
18: describing my channel with.
1: Oh yeah, I see it too. His face. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Gotten smaller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
18: look at your face. I use it freely on my channel, and I use it without shame. It mm-hmm. is a chronic condition, and it is broken biology, and that is why I became such a big fan of Manjaro, yeah, LP ones in general. And that was really the impetus behind me starting my channel. So it's exciting to find yeah. people, and I felt like I was at this teetering point where. I was able to sustain about a year on keto. That was the longest I'd been able to sustain it. I feel like I was able to sustain it because of that type two diagnosis, right? That's a very serious diagnosis to get at my Mm -hmm. age with my children being the age they were. And I'm, you Mm -hmm. know, replaying all the things with my dad dying younger. And so I was really serious, but I was really, really, really frustrated after that year.
5: It's only in the last several years that we've had tools to help us decrease weight in order to address all those other things
1: so yeah. here we go without further ado hey rosie hi everybody <laughs> welcome to our scrappy podcast <laughs> you know, the,
19: people like us who've struggled with weight our whole lives yeah. are now yeah. so concerned that somebody might notice that our butt is you know when you're getting Smaller. close to whatever the number is for you and, and that you said i will never go over and you mm-hmm. are You know, at that point, at that point, it's just about your health. Mm -hmm. So I think in my life and career, I've always had a weight issue, especially in Hollywood. When when I did League of Their Own, I was like one hundred and seventy pounds. And I remember Penny Marshall going, I want you to lose 10, 15 or 20 (laughs) pounds. Can you do it?" it? And I said, well, if I could do it, Penn, I would do it. Because nobody likes to be obese. Nobody likes yes. people to say to them, you should lose 20 pounds. Nobody, you, know, you don't carry it around for fun. You carry it around for reasons oh, that yes. you don't even really understand. Um, we, we just, understand. We just lost the South of France. We. <laughs> 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 somebody's making her like a brie omelet or something yes oh she's oh, back and better than ever oh there you are. i was worried about you in the south of it, france
1: over there. It, right exactly <laughs> I love that so much. Like background, guys. Like if you didn't know, like when we got the interview with Rosie, like Cat was in in Nice, France, and so oh, she had horrible connection, but she was able yeah. to make it through the episode with us because we were like, we can't do that without Cat. You know, we can't believe it. And of course, like Rosie was like, you want to do it tomorrow? And we're like, yeah, okay. You know, so yeah. so yeah, yeah, I remember that, and it was so nice. She was so gracious to offer her time and. And the things that she said and the, the 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 messages I got after this episode of people being like, I'm weeping, I'm weeping, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it was like somebody that you like respect, like saying those things and she was so vulnerable. Like, hands down, that was one of the most special moments I think I've had probably life, in my life. Her
3: like, line about Brownie, the Brownie when she was doing the Tonight Show. The she's like, I wasn't yes. worried about if I'm going to kill um, during my yeah. set. I wanted that dang brownie. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She was like, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Cause that's food noise. I that's what we say you can't see, you can't see food noise. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't see it. Yeah.
19: If you yeah. have no side effects and you are not suffering, I'm not suffering at all. I yeah. think that this right. is miracle drug, but yes. it, I called my agent after about four months on this. And I said, could you call Eli Lilly? and tell them that I would be willing to be their spokesperson for free if they would still provide the coupons. I don't even want to be paid. I just want to be able to go out there and say, this will change your life. It's changed mine. And I think back to times in my life, like when I first did the Tonight Show, everybody else backstage was worrying about what they were going to say, what the interview was going to be like. And I was trying not to eat the brownie in the craft service table. I was sitting there not worrying about my first national television experience. I was worrying that I really wanted to eat the brownie and I couldn't. And it was the only thing I thought about before I went out on that stage. Food noise, as people are calling it, had really run my life. And I didn't even know it until I took Manjaro. (laughs) So I think this is the way weight loss is moving in terms of health and medically. And I'm really happy and proud that I got to experience for myself just how life-altering it is. And I would love to help in,
1: in any way.
5: Right. I, I, I was like, the only one that kept it together thought, that day. You,
1: I mean, like Kat and I were like, but you were like, oh, like you, but you didn't lose it. But your face was like so... I can't believe she just said that. And I was like, oh, I was shocked that on our show. Like, it was like so. Great. I was shocked. Like, like I mean, like, like, like no, like, literally, I was so like, what? What is <laughs> your face?
19: I <laughs> love it so much.
1: I love it. And the things that she said, like, and like for our listening audience, I mean, I'm sure you know because you're a fan, like, but um, that was Rosie O'Donnell that came on our show and was incredibly yeah. totally vulnerable and it shared all that got. information, and you know, like. Even though we know there are legalities in place where they couldn't, like, provide a marketing coupon to market the medication for obesity. Like, we know there are things like that that they couldn't. But the fact that she offered and the things that she said were all to be able to help us feel validated. And and she knew exactly what she was saying, exactly what she was doing, and just wanted to help us. You know? And it was just, like, I think one of the coolest moments that we can all, can all say. Because she was just, like unapologetically herself and just totally understood, you know,
3: before we go to the next clip, I yeah. just want to say that Michelle looks like she's in the studio busting out a beat. Like she she's does. This is a perfect pause like for Michelle. We laying, all look stupid. Out. Like she's just doing a killer verse right
0: there. All
8: right. Um, <laughs> I wasn't somebody who was a binge eater. I, assumed that I had a problem with food just because of the way I was treated by being obese as a, a child and overweight and made fun of for my weight. <laughs> I yo-yoed for so many years. I think I once lost, I want to say 45 pounds. Um, I was 19 and and really restricting what I ate and working out excessively. And um, it was the, I think I got down to and. 50 ish pounds, something like that. Um, and it was the first time in my life, I think it was a size 10, which is so wild because I just went below that now. And I'm like, it's still mind blowing to so me. So
3: if I like, I'm putting on a size seven, I make up excuses for myself saying, like, oh, the only reason I can fit into those is because they're super stretchy. The only reason I can buy a top in a size medium is because it's like looser fitting. Yeah. And I just like, make up these excuses in my head because I'm like, that's not real. That's, like, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to get my hopes up or like get this yeah. thought in my head that I'm suddenly in these smaller sizes because yeah. I just can't believe it. Like I haven't been yeah. a size below a size 10 since I don't like, I don't remember ever buying below a size 10. See,
8: but I think I also resented so long. People in smaller bodies who didn't have to try or my friends who could buy smalls and mediums that it's so weird to all of a sudden think I'm in that category that in a weird way, I feel resistant
16: to it. I did the religious weight loss um, program called The Way Down. There's actually a documentary about that. I've seen Uh, it. uh, Where really you're told that your weight gain is a failing of your faith and your um, spirituality. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a part of that it was very expensive. I remember and my mom, I remember her saying like, you know, you really have to commit to it because it's going to cost a lot of money for you to do. And I really wanted to. But as a 14 year old, <laughs> was not really able to um, white knuckle it as well as I learned yeah. later on in life. You know, but i was so afraid of dealing with it and going to the doctor. And I had just somehow um accumulated this big phobia of going to any kind of medical professional. And I started to look in the mirror and pick out something that I liked about myself every day. If it was the fact that I had a perfect shaped nose, or it fits just right when I do this with my fingers, perfect. It's the perfect nose. I love the way my eyelashes flip up in the corners, little things. I started with the little things. I moved to the bigger things until I could look at myself in the mirror every day and I stopped seeing th- things that I hate. Mm. I everything that I saw, I loved about myself. Mm. Everything. And that is hard for some people to believe that a person at 350, 375, 380 could look at themselves and say, I don't see a thing wrong with you.
5: Oh.
1: She is so mm. strong and so brave. I mm. Out of all of the ones that we've had, I could not keep it together during that interview. Especially when she talked about her brother and I just was like, and this, she's a foster mom and like the way that she would just give, give, give and, you know, and what that can do to you. Like if you're always putting so many people above yourself and you never focus on yourself and your weight and you like oh, what it is that you need to do. Like that was yeah. a really, that was an episode I just could, I I couldn't, but I hope people saw from that episode that this is a safe place and you can say what you need to say you know mm-hmm.
2: oh look tell us your heart My whole platform is self-love superpower so self love your health goals so thank you for sharing your stories of course i've taken care of so many patients and children over the years so thank you for sharing i'm so sorry for your trauma self-love superpower to you Cause uh, I I bring out my thought rainbow when I'm coaching, so our thoughts are like a rainbow that come and go. <laughs> right, you don't have to attach to them. And so a lot of people who grew up um, struggling with their weight have a lot of past self beliefs that keep them stuck. And every time you try to take action on a goal for yourself, you go back to that, and your mind's like, "Oh, all the evidence comes up. You can't do it. You're a quitter." And teens have this too. I I.
1: So, I do love that episode too. So, for those that don't know, that's Dr. Carla and that's the childhood obesity episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she, we talked about it a lot as a group. Like, we need to handle this because it's our children and because this is controversial, regardless of the fact that there's a lot of data to show that this is good. It's Mm -hmm. still new, right? And it's still our kids. And we needed to make sure that we had all the facts and that we were very, very careful. And I got to tell you, I I got nothing but positive feedback on that. So I think that Dr. Carlo with her rainbows and her hearts were the the perfect thing to be able to talk about in the self-love superpower and talking about the trauma, like, and, and so much that's considered around that. And like, I also loved how in that episode, she talked about like the bias and the issues with the parents who struggled with obesity. Right. And then them also getting to wear, um, you know, they don't want to like put that shit on their kids. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was, and how she helps parents kind of work through that. You know, I thought that was a really good one.
7: I was in a, I was in a pretty dark place. I had, I had really given up, um, on my health and my future. And, um, I was in a state of just constant inflammation, um, constant binge eating. Um, I remember the first day that I took my injection I actually had sores on the roof of my mouth because I had eaten so many skittles watching a movie like two nights before that, like I had sores on the roof of my mouth. I was in such a, um, such a state of sugar addiction that I was foregoing meals and eating like drumsticks for breakfast because I could justify it saying it's like, it's just the milk is frozen and the cone is like your cereal, but all in one cone. And I'm telling you, um, I was completely in a sugar addiction day three. I looked at my husband and said, I almost feel lonely today. And he said, what? And I said, I woke up today and, um, I didn't analyze everything that I ate yesterday and, um, my mind's really quiet. And um, I haven't felt like this in a really, really long time. And it's very hard to articulate to somebody that has never had food noise um, or struggled with a binge eating disorder. But Mm -hmm. I was in such a dark place at the time This might sound crazy to some people, but I was showering with the lights off because I didn't want, I didn't want my mind to tell me what the reflection showed. Why would, why would God just let me stay this broken? Like,
5: I apologize for leaving off camera, but I had to get myself together. Of course. Uh, because I knew that this episode was coming. And um, I think you all saw where normally I hold it together. I could not hold it together on this episode. And even still seeing it, it just, and I was just like, nope. Mm-mm. And I get, yeah, yeah. So, that's why my camera, the
1: screen, yeah, of course. And um, for like those who haven't seen it, JT, I know you had some moments there. Um, can you tell yeah. people who haven't seen it, like what was happening?
5: Yeah. So b- briefly, uh, Lisa, who's a beloved member of the Mount Jaro community, GLP one community, uh, whew, um, has, and you'll see this on the episode, has a disorder where Mount Jaro, just I, I mean, just almost alleviated all all of it. And I think maybe she had only had like two uh, episodes, two occurrences of this disorder. And she uh, explained to us that her A1c was actually, I think a 6.9 mm-hmm. and her insurance company said, well, your A1C has to be a seven to get yeah. coverage with Mount Jarl. That's yeah. They said over. she'd taken it
1: too soon. Yeah. Like she took it too soon.
5: Yeah. And, and you took it too soon and we have a budget and, uh, but I'm like, wait a minute, but the American diabetes association, the CDC says that type two is 6.5. You are a type two diabetic. Why aren't you getting coverage? And just, her vulnerability in terms of not yeah. just her medical state but of her emotional state and where yeah. and where that where her relationship with god was yes. and how she felt it was her fault mm-hmm. and it was very and it still is very emotional
1: yeah i mean i i the same thing for me too like we had, we had some good talks about faith, I feel like, on that one. Um, and everybody has yeah. their own faith and their own religious and however they do things, and that's cool. Like, we, we see it all here, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, I think just seeing, like, her feel like – and we've all sort of felt like it's our fault. But her thinking it was, like, an affliction that God gave her, you know, yeah. or affliction that God would not heal her for. Like, God would not – maybe she wasn't faithful enough and stuff like that. And, like, mm-hmm. that killed me. I was just, like, I – Like that gutted me. I'm surprised I kept it together at all, to be honest. Like it was really it was really intense. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like other people definitely felt that way somewhere somehow.
7: Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like to the point I was not showing up for my family. I was not going to the Fourth of July parade because I didn't want my picture taken with my family. Like Why? We only have about
6: 7,000 doctors out of a million in the United States. who are board certified in the field of obesity medicine. When I trained not that long ago, 15 years ago, we didn't get a single lecture on what to do about weight. And that's actually how I came to this field because I would be in my internal medicine clinics treating end-stage type 2 diabetes, heart disease, like have people maxed out on high blood pressure meds. And they would say, well, counsel them on weight loss. And mm. you'd be like, well, how? Like, right. I come from a family who all of the women struggled with weight. Like, And so we talked about weight loss nonstop. I luckily grew up with a healthy relationship with food, but it was like, what's the newest Weight Watcher point technique? Like that. Right. This is what we did every weekend, mm-hmm. beginning that it's not just it's not just type two diabetes. There's like a route to insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome that predates it. And I don't think that most people know that. So people think that fat is the main thing that we're treating. And actually it is so much bigger than that. Fat is an annoyance, but it's both the secondary endpoint to metabolic dysfunction. And then it creates more about metabolic dysfunction.
8: And I'm like, okay.
1: Like that one was a big one, right? Like, yeah. That was when I started looking at things more like uh, when I started hearing those like sort of like cues in my head, like, you know, metabolic disorders and like the, that sort of being that underlying dysfunction. And that can look like a lot of different things, you know, and like the whole idea of like the proactive healthcare, And that's when I started being like, you know, I need to start. I need to check my bias and start turning the right. wheels. You know what I mean? I need to start. That was a good one for me. I love Dr. Sowa. she's fantastic.
8: I you know. will try whatever you want me to try. You know, okay. just let me try it again. Then done the Weight Watchers, the Jenny Craigs, the everything, you know, and just mm-hmm. white knuckles it and can never lose but 20 pounds and then gain it back. Right. You know, and it just kept being like a slap in the face, a slap in the face, a slap in the face. And so last, let's see, last summer, I started hearing about Manjaro and Ozempic on TikTok. And I was like, what am I going to, you know, like, this sounds amazing. And I'm like, can, you know, I'm like, is it real? Or is this something else I'm going to fail? At? It's
10: not fully my identity, but a bit.
1: Okay. So that was sort of the end of it. Now, that being said, like there's obviously quite a bit more um, and we will have um, bonus content on the YouTube channel for yeah. our uh, paid mm-hmm. subscribers um, to be able to see more if you want to just sort of like the mm-hmm. montage of everything, but I mean, that sums up a good bit of the season. And then we started the lives on YouTube so we could have people have more opportunity to take the space, you know, and tell. And I know like there are sometimes, we get sometimes like, oh, it's a long form content because people, especially like our audience from t- TikTok, you know, it's like, but this is long form content, right? Like there, there's, it's great that we have TikTok where you can get things in three minutes or 10 minutes, but like these are very, the whole point is, is that this is incredibly complicated. And it's way more than a 10-minute discussion, you know? Yeah. And so, and but, you know, people can come and people do. And they go, you know what? Like, I just kind of want to hear this part. But what I am finding more than anything is that when people come, they come back. They'll start and they'll go, all right. Like like you do with the podcast, right? Like when you're driving, you come back and you listen to it again in a couple hours or the next morning or whatever, because, you know, a lot of it is so is so valuable. So yeah. I think it's been a super good season. I don't think we'll do 24 episodes in a season from now <laughs> Maybe we'll do 12, but I don't think we knew where this was going or like how much content we were going to have, but like, we can have this conversation forever. You know what I mean? Over
5: and over. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Any other special moments you guys remember?
5: I think for me, just as the season went on, even more studies were confirming what we knew and what we were experiencing and what we were feeling uh and just the validation, just the confirmation that, no, you're not crazy. This is really happening. That was even more of a highlight because I think that we said, we feel like we are, well, we truly are living in medical history. We were able to be on Mount Jaro The first year of it being out on the market
1: yeah so yeah we're almost like the
4: guinea
1: pigs we definitely are the guinea
4: pigs (laughs) (laughs) but that's the
1: thing is like if you are if you're at a certain level of illness right and there's so much data to show this is probably really good for you you decide if the risk is versus reward and we say that a lot in our lives right like is it you know um but this has been this has been a good looking back and we still we have several episodes recently that are obviously not in this montage. Um, but again, we'll have more. So if you're just kind of wanting to get caught up and like see, you know, the different things that we talked about and the changes in our faces and hair. <laughs> My goodness. (laughs) It's such a short amount of time. Like it really is interesting. Um, and like how dark my room used to be (laughs) until I got lights
3: in here. I know. Like (laughs) and I had just moved into my house when we started. That's right. That's right. Coming together. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: it's been great. And, you know, even though it sounds like we're about to end, this is just the first half of our of our finale. And now the next half is looking forward. So we're going to talk with uh, Dr. Michael Albert because he started us. He started with us on the podcast oh, to explain oh, so much about the differences and the similarities between type 2 diabetes and obesity and that we had a lot of aha moments in that. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, um, and we don't have the clips of that because there was technical difficulties. I don't have the clips because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. You know, I'm still not really sure, (laughs) but yeah, so that's what's coming up next. But just before we do that, we want to make sure we thank our sponsor, which is IBM health. um, And make sure that if you are interested, know that you get the first month free if you come from the plus sides. Okay. So let's move on to half two and it's been a great first season. I can't wait to see you guys for season two. We do have a special surprise make sure you subscribe.
0: Thank you, everybody. That's thank all. You, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Say thank goodbye you. to restrictive weight loss methods and hello to iVeam, the number one prescriber of GLP-1 medications. GLP-1s curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy, and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. iVeam is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable, and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for
1: free and get 20% off our accessibility programs. So, um, friends and family, we're, <laughs> we're gathered here today. We're family. so glad to have you. <laughs> um, if we're coming on with us. Um, so we, um, you'll see obviously the first half that we recorded, uh, together where we go over, you know, the, um, over the past 23 episodes and what that's been like and the stories and, you know, all of the learnings that we've had to be able to understand, you know, our, um, diseases and, um, be able to understand our disorders and how these medications can help treat and change our lives. So, um, from there, though, we thought that since we started with Dr. Michael Albert, we should mm-hmm. end with Dr. Michael Albert. So we're going to invite him on. That? Oh, we're so excited to have you. Hey, Dr. Albert, hey, how are you Dr. doing? Al- hey,
9: guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we're so oh, excited to have you here. You, um, you know, the first part of our episode talking about you know, all those other things I just mentioned, you know, it's, it's all very heartfelt for us, you know, it it means so much to us. Um, And I think what's important is, even though we're looking back, I think we have to understand that there's so much to look forward to. And even with the bumps in the road that we've seen, you know, um, with everything changing with insurance and, people getting, you know, letters sent to them and telling them not to prescribe medications off label and just all the things that seem to bring us down. Then it's like, we'll turn around and we'll hear that we'll go is like the best treatment for, you know, possible heart disease. And, or we'll hear, Oh, Hey, actually there was a formulary change for a national formulary. And it's going to be, draw was going to be on all of that. And it's like the minute that we're down, I feel like we also get a step forward. And then sometimes we get two steps back, but it, I think that we're kind of in the middle of this. Like, you know, I, at the beginning, I thought, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. But truthfully, we have several medications in this class that are very beneficial. And we've learned that from you and, and many of the other doctors in our community. Um, so that being said, um, there may be some people that are just joining for the first time on the finale. Where you been? 23 episodes in. Where you been? Where you at? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to listen to our intros because we're in the middle. But um, I want to make sure that we have people understand like who you are, what your background is, and like how do you help people?
9: Yeah, thanks. I, well, thanks again for having me. Um, my background. So I'm a physician by training. Um, my background's in internal medicine. I've gone on to specialize further in obesity medicine. Um, I have a background in digital health, this fancy thing of utilizing technology. <laughs> to improve the lives of people, particularly their health. And I'm currently um, one of the founders of a medical clinic called Accomplish Health, where we specialize in helping people manage their weight. And we do this completely through the internet. So if there's no in-person presence. We use this thing called the internet, which is pretty remarkable. And, um, you know, we're really excited because we continue to grow. And, and so, you know, I know we all connected via some of this internet stuff. And so, you know, I I, I dabble in, in uh, social media as well, sort of on the side, but that, that's <laughs> yes. yeah, that's the brief on me.
1: Just dabble. We will be listing all they're of, your, of fun, too. your social links. Oh, they're the best. I, they're yes. the best. There's that one
9: that you just posted <laughs> like, recently
3: of, of an Ozempic in a pill form and you were like, no. Anyway, <laughs> we'll get into that.
1: The <laughs> funny <laughs> ones, like I love the ones where we learn, but the funny ones, I live for the funny ones. Like I oh live in so you're doing little so things and you're yeah. saluting the savings card, and you know it's the best. You are goofy; it's the best. But I mean, clearly, you're in good company. We're all goofy too, so <laughs> you'll be a part of the Plus Sides family. What can we say? <laughs> so that's super good to know, and um, we'll make sure that we link uh, Accomplish Help too, because I will tell you key differentiator for Accomplished Health is one of the coolest things is that they take insurance and they're a network with several insurance companies and there are a lot of different states as well. So it's definitely something to look into and they even help if you have Medicare. So I think that's a really, it's very special. So, um, anyway, let's, let's move on. So, you know, we talked about one of the, on the first episodes, because I remember when, um, so with JT being a type two and us not yet, thank you, Jesus. Um, we were trying to understand this whole insulin resistance, you know, spectrum, if you will. And you made a lot of comments around like kind of the commonalities between, you know, type two diabetes and obesity, um, and pre-diabetes and kind of like explain that for us. And I remember us going, Oh, my God. like that makes so much more sense. But since we have people you may not have heard that, could you maybe recap how they're like, and how they are different for us?
9: Yeah, I mean it's a big topic, so I'll try to Andy. do my best to simplify it. But in I th- a three-minute
1: TikTok, uh, this is your assignment. <laughs>
9: <laughs> I think I think the best way to frame how they're related, type two diabetes and obesity, is to think about how people are able to manage fat tissue, right? So obesity, on some level, is having excess adipose tissue or fat tissue that exceeds sort of what your body can manage right? And that's when we see a lot of the health consequences related to obesity. Diabetes on some level also is related to the body's ability to manage energy and fat and to handle that capacity. And we start to see things like insulin resistance, hyperinsulinemia, which we know to be part of this sort of pathologic pathway towards type 2 diabetes when the body is not capable of handling energy anymore. And so I think that there is this uh, energy management overlap that is in many ways how they're related and then how they're different. Type two diabetes fundamentally is a disorder where certain cells in the pancreas that secrete insulin, the beta cells start to fail. And some of that failure can be brought on by the body's inability to manage energy and specifically by the um, the transplantation of fat from the typical locations into areas where it could be problematic for organ health and can facilitate uh, pancreatic destruction, really um, mm-hmm. so type two diabetes. I, I don't think that this gets mentioned enough type two diabetes on some level is an order uh, is a disorder of organ failure of what we call endocrine pancreatic failure. And I think if we viewed it through that lens, I think there would be greater urgency By which we try to prevent it, whether it's at the level of prediabetes or even early insulin resistance. And I think often, as I see, unfortunately, a lot of my colleagues, it's a very sort of hands-off. Well, it's not so high, you know. It's like keep working on it. It's like, no, we should be raising the alarm earlier because we want to prevent if we can organ uh, damage and organ failure. So um, that's the summary I can give. That's sort of the two three minutes summary.
1: No, it yeah. was pretty good. Lots of TikTok practice. I love it. That made so much sense. Yeah, God, I never even thought about that way before. It's basically like a type of organ failure.
18: It yeah. is. Yeah.
19: And in
1: terms of urgency, I I love that. You always say things so smart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey Kat, I'm sorry, I know you had a question. You're fine.
3: Yep. Um, so you touched on like different types of obesity on your TikTok, which was very fascinating. But um, so I'm I'm going to ask you to expand it beyond the three minutes. Um, so we're told obesity is genetic, right? But can you explain the different types of obesity for us?
9: Yeah. And and the genetic component is important to understand that there are variants of genes, right? That you inherit, you get them from your parents, you get one copy from your mom, one copy from your dad. And these genes can sort of set the stage for obesity to develop. We know that most cases of obesity, so the most common forms of obesity are what are known as polygenic obesity, meaning a number of genes working in concert with different environmental interactions help bring about this disease. And that's the most common form. If you can imagine, there's so many different variants. We can talk about the different kinds, but there's so many different variants that not one is like the other. And, And so that's really important to understand because that's real implications both in how someone presents their risks, and as well, how they'll respond to certain treatments. And so that's, I often talk to patients about, listen, your form is not necessarily the same as your friends, or you're probably closer to a sibling or a parent in terms of the form of disease than anyone else. And we need to understand one, there can be insights there. And then two, that you have to take anything else someone else says with a little bit of grain of salt, because you're different. So that first form the polygenic obesity is the most common form that we see. More rare forms of obesity that are based on single gene mutations or single gene variants we refer to as monogenic obesity, mono being one gene, you know, genic being gene, right? Um, mm-hmm. And also see sort of a subcategory of that known as syndromic obesity so that typically um, manifest in people that have congenital disorders. One of the classic ones for syndromic obesity is Barta-Beetle syndrome. And these types of congenital disorders that have obesity as one of the manifestations can be a single gene variation, or it can be what we call oligogenic multiple genes. So there are a number of these syndromic forms of obesity. There are a number, and we're discovering more by the year, these forms of single gene obesity. And then far and away, the most common are these multi-gene forms of obesity. And, and so understanding because one treatment, especially if you have a single gene issue, one, uh, there are treatments dedicated specifically to that. m set melanotide is the only one that's FDA approved to date, and there are more that are in development. But those are very different treatment considerations than someone who is maybe looking to have generalized obesity help because they have a, what what is referred to as a polygenic form of obesity.
3: Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing. Well, Thank you. Interesting. I love, I love learning from you. Um, and Thank speaking you. of, so I know, right. The last time we talked to you, you gave us a lot of really great resources for people who are like looking for a place to start um, with obesity specialists besides going to accomplish health. Um, <laughs> um, so a lot of our community still doesn't know, or they're not sure where to start um, and, you had a wealth of knowledge and a lot of resources. And could you share that again for our our listeners?
9: Yeah. Um, So I think, you know, listen, the the reality is this is a huge problem, right? There are a lot of people that are touched by this. And, And so it's an all hands on deck, whether it's patients, family, friends, community, society, healthcare workers. And so many people, their first interaction will be with the doctor they have the most Um, time with, which is often the primary care doctor. And I think that is a great place to start for a lot of people as an increasing number of primary care doctors are at least becoming more comfortable having these conversations or entertaining the medications because they finally have heard about them, like many of you all, or have read the studies finally. And so I think that's a wonderful place to start um, and, and can be an entryway for a lot of people. If you are not seeing the type of health improvements, or you have maybe a more advanced form of obesity with numerous complications, um, then someone like an obesity specialist like myself, who focuses primarily on treating obesity and weight related issues, might be a, a better place to start then or might be the sort of next step in line if you're not seeing the results you need to see with your primary care doctor. And so you can find someone like myself. You know, there are a number of, of various databases that have this information. The Obesity Action Coalition, which is the largest patient advocacy and educational organization in the U.S., they have an entire database that you can search um, by state, region, zip code, in, insurance coverage, whatever. Um, they have it there. And then the American Board of Obesity Medicine, the ABOM, abom.org is another great place to go They have the directory on all the American Board of Obesity Medicine certified physicians, Um, so obesity medicine specialists like myself. And and you might ask, well, why is that different? I'm actually a primary care specialist by training. Why would I be different than a primary care doctor? Well, I think the evidence is pretty clear. They've studied it, that people who have this additional specialization certification or who have undergone an obesity medicine fellowship generally practice more evidence-based more state-of-the-art medicine. And usually their practices also have additional resources and support because this is something they do and focus on and specialize in. So that's where, if you are someone who has struggled, who has not gotten the type of help you need, or who has significant health issues and obesity medicine specialist might be a, a great person to talk to.
1: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I think even everybody's journey looks a little different, you know, but like for me, you know, I started at my doctor, we did blood work and she was like, "Mm." (laughs) you know, and, and I didn't know, I honestly didn't know what I was doing. And I, I wish looking back that I had asked more questions, but honestly, I didn't learn to start advocating for my health or myself until I went through this process, you know? And I, I think that I, I was losing weight and I was successful, but I was really my mind and like the mental part of it was really trying to catch up with my body and the the issues around emotional eating and it just kind of going away all of a sudden and not know what to do with it. And I thought, I really need people that understand this, you know? And, and I think that it was that next sort of level that I needed. And like, not just like, am I eating less? Like, what am I eating? And when am I eating and why am I eating? And, you know, is that what's best for my body? Is that, you know, and for my mind and my experience. And I think that that is a really big difference in having an obesity specialist look after you so far. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've, I've just heard plenty of people be like, no, like, it's cool. Like my GP does it. But then I hear a lot of people say, my GP's got 10 minutes with me, you know, and they can't sit down and help me unwind all that stuff, you know? And I think that it does seem like the obesity specialists have more you know, more time. And that's, I think that's true really with a lot of specialties in medicine medicine in my experience, you know, but yeah, I mean, was a
3: cat. Do you see in the specialist? I don't actually see my, my personal my, yeah, PCP. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And
9: that's a great option for a lot of people. So, yeah. I mean, I think everyone has to find the right fit for them. Right. Some people have tremendous yeah. relationships with their PCP, mm-hmm. you know, and, and have these very collaborative therapeutic relationships. Other people like I see have more advanced disease and, and it's very mm-hmm. overwhelming for a PCP to try to take on. And and so someone like myself can be a very good collaborator for the overall care team in that regard and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. be able to help address a lot of things like you guys mentioned in a way that that gives us more time. And um, I built my practice that way, too. So we have more yeah. time um, to really focus because often, you know, it does take really getting to know each other to, to be able to make those meaningful Um insights you know create those meaningful insights so, so that people can really get better
3: yeah, yeah i totally I get it so. I, think, I feel like go ahead go ahead, Kat. go ahead go ahead my pcp the this is the, the first relationship i've actually had with the doctor because i had one you know many many times before and I always felt dismissed and um you know just
10: mm-hmm. brushed
3: off but this i think the reason why like i really have stayed with her is because i feel seen um and she is you know studied up a little bit on this. So if yeah. I felt like I had to go to another, like to an obesity specialist and I would, but in this instance of all these years, finally like right now, it, it feels, feels, it feels right. It feels okay. Uh, but I yeah. totally get it.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you found that. I think that's such a big deal. I think for me too, I've been very doctor averse and went too long without going to the doctor, you know, and luckily not so long that I was type two, but you know, I, I went too long you know, and I just want people to talk to their doctor and realize that there's care out there. And that's one of the things we try to do here. Right. Um, Dr. Albert, I'm, I, I feel like I've seen and heard a lot of things lately around sort of the future um, of obesity medicine. And I know we've, uh, you know, been hearing a lot about Tide, right. And like the advancements with that and what that means. And I'd love to go into that too. But you also recently did a TikTok that like kind of blew my mind and like definitely left me wanting to know more because you know how I am. Um, But when you were specifically talking about one of the studies that showed that there could possibly be a single treatment to treat obesity like in the future. And I'm like, don't just be holding that back now. Like we need to know more about that. So could you go (laughs) into those couple things for us? Because I know people are wanting to know.
9: Yeah. I'm happy to sort of give a preview for what's to come. Yeah. Um, Great. uh, So when we look at, the development pipeline for new obesity therapeutics, primarily it follows this framework of a number of hormone-based um, medications. They act on different hormones. And most of these hormones, for people to understand, they're based on basic, you know copycat versions um, that are analogous to hormones our body naturally produces. And so there's three primary hormones that most of the new drugs are based around. One many people are familiar with, and that is GLP-1. Another one that many people are getting to know because of Monjaro, aka terzepatide, is GIP. And the last one is uh, glucagon, which is fairly new. And so what you're seeing with all the new drugs in development that are in phase two and phase three study are combinations of these three hormones. Reditrutide happens to be the first triple agonist, so it actually activates the receptors for these three various hormones. And that's really the novelty around redditrutide and why we believe that at least the early clinical trials suggest pretty remarkable, both reductions in weight, as well as improvements in things like blood sugar, um, fatty liver disease, um, and a range of other considerations. Um, One of the other things I would bring to people's attention is that a number of companies are working on non-peptides. All the hormone therapies that you guys are familiar with that are these gut hormone analogs, as we call them, or or synthetic versions, they are all based on peptides. So they are strings of amino acid. Because of that, they're actually very difficult to manufacture. They have all of these very particular manufacturing needs, and a lot of them have to be cold stored, which is part of the reason why it's so hard to increase the supplies around these drugs and why we have some of the supply Demand issues that we currently are experiencing. A number of companies have found a way to create a non peptide GLP1 agonist. And so that I'm super excited about because you can almost infinitely scale those. And these are things that, if you guys look for them, they end in P R O N N S, prawns. Prawns kind of like the uh, crustacean. Um, so you, or, or Florglopron and Danube, lip all these weird prawns. These will be coming in the pipeline, these non-peptide oral GLP-1 therapies. Um, there are a bunch of other ones that combine GLP-1 and glucagon and GLP-1 and just GIP. Um, but that is sort of the overview of the future development. Most drugs in development right now are some combination of these hormones. Um, you had also asked me about this new gene, gene therapy. So we don't know much about it, so I, I okay. do have to heavily caveat that. So a company called Still, Yeah, no, I mean it's super it's exciting. Hopeful. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean the the innovation is. Uh, I feel like we are in in sort of the golden era of medicine on some level yeah. with with some of these new treatments. But basically, what this company suggests is that they've taken an adenovirus vector. So basically, they've modified a virus that is common in the community. And they've put a gene inside of it. And they have this proprietary delivery system that will drop the gene off in the pancreas. And they believe or suggest that they can ameliorate most of type 2 diabetes, if not completely wipe it out. And also, because of the way it changed the pancreatic function, may very well be a, an effective obesity treatment as well. Okay. And so their early studies, which have been primarily done in rodents, suggested like a 54% reduction in glucose compared to semaglutide and a 20% reduction um, in body weight compared to semaglutide, showing that this is sort of uh, an an evolution on what's potentially possible. It's early days. And so they need to prove it out in humans, um, not just in animals. And we need to see what kind of results we get from those. But Actually, the, the animal studies, the rodent studies, when you look at them historically, they seem to align with the what you would expect in humans. So the drugs that cause the most health benefit in rodents um, as it relates to these metabolic type drugs, these obesity, diabetes drugs, also seem to be the most potent in humans. So it becomes fairly predictable. And uh, from that perspective, it's really exciting.
1: That is fascinating.
3: Wow.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That's a whole lot. Gosh, I can't <laughs> wait to hear all about that. I'm we'll so here. All nerd. From Dr. Albert, I wasn't lot. even good at science. I was. I didn't even really like. It. I mean, I. But I'm just like fascinated by all of this. I just like clearly, clearly. <laughs> Sorry, JTN, and get a question. Didn't mean to nerd out on you.
5: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Dr. Albert, we've we've talked about this before, and you were gracious enough to talk about it on your live, but in terms of maintenance, um, I think I'm the only one as of right now, and we're just putting it out there that Kim and Kat are are on their way to maintenance. Um, But, you know, we've seen many patients encounter issues with maintenance and that's become a really hot topic. So, you know, some can't stop losing weight. And they're like, "What do I do?" So they keep titrating down. Others choose to space out the injections, and inject every ten to fourteen days. So though these these medications have been around for years, it seems like maintenance is a big un- unknown. So as an obesity specialist, what has your experience been like treating patients on maintenance?
9: Yeah, I mean, I think I think you uh, you know you kind of alluded to it is that it there is you know not a lot of really good data to guide us and so it's it's based a lot on experience and then what little data we have available so i think ultimately you know this is going to be a decision between patient and provider um, but hopefully it's something that is very individualized based on the context and i think you describe different contexts by which you might choose to go a different direction than um, than Another. And so I think individual individualized approaches are going to be critical when we don't have great data. And then in terms of how I approach it, I'm sort of old school. Uh, <laughs> I'm like very by the data. So like, I try to stick as close to what data we do have, and not try to do things that don't have great data. And so I may be less sort of exciting and that I don't really push the envelope that way. Um, And and the data we have at this time suggests people that get to the target doses. um, If you stay on the target dose, it seems to be pretty durable in terms of the the level of disease treatment. If you go from being a hundred percent to zero percent, meaning you come off the medication completely, you can expect the disease to worsen. And um, we don't know if it goes back to where it does over time, if it, you know if there's some legacy effect where wherein people can maintain some degree of the health benefit but there does appear to be some amount of of disease recurrence and with it weight recurrence and so you know i operate from that framework and at the end of the day i i still personalize it to my patient's needs some people worry about accessibility to meds and so we do some different things i think ultimately you know, we operate with the best information we have. We try to um, help the person in front of us, which is super critical. Um, and, and we do the best we can. And and so I think that it's an area that needs a lot more study. Um, I'm hoping a lot more, you know, a, a greater number of researchers will take interest in this because it has huge clinical translational um Implications, right? Because everyone's talking about it.
19: Yeah. And
9: yeah. Um, but until then, it, you know, do the best you can given the circumstances, and, and that'll be good enough for a lot of people.
0: Say goodbye to restrictive weight loss methods, and hello to Ivym, the number one prescriber of GLP-1 medications. GLP-1s curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy, and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. iBeam is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable, and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for free and get 20% off our accessibility programs.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, fascinating too. Like, so um, our next episode, uh, we talk about addiction. And so we have, um, an addiction uh, specialist on, and then, um, Brenda who struggled with, um, dependence on, um, alcohol and food. And, uh, she took, I don't know if you follow her in our community, but she took Banjaro for like 11 months. Amazing. Totally changed her lifestyle. And everything like the the what she eats in today and the cooks and the things that she did, it's incredible. And um, and she had to stop it because she did have she started out with some heart rate issues. I'm oversimplifying. And then they um, progressed as she went up on the medication and just for safety purposes, they just went ahead and took her off it. And she's been three months now and she's still losing. She's kept up her lifestyle, you know, she's um and so like that gives me hope. For things like use cases, you know, I'm I'm in tech, use cases like this, right? So like if we're going to be studying an an addiction and yes, obesity is part of it, right? But if like, if it's able to target that and then they're able to put people's body and minds at a place where they can then receive and then make those behavior changes, like what is possible? Because I have such hope. Alcoholism runs my family, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it, you know, but like it does. And I just, I know there are a lot of people where that's also something that they deal with. So I can't, I hope that we'll get to a place where that will be possible. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how those studies, you know, come out. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask about what JT said is in terms of people that are spacing them out one to two weeks, do we know anything about what the effects that is to go down low on a dose and have your body like start to decrease in response and then going back up and then going down? Do we know anything about that? Because I mean, it saying.
9: hasn't been studied um, directly. So I would say generally no, Um, but just from, you know, paradigms with other drugs, um, this medication doesn't, you know, at least from what we can tell, doesn't have a withdrawal effect. So from a physiology standpoint, it shouldn't be that problematic. You're just going to be losing drug over time, right? Because the drug is being metabolized and, and, um, you know, Mm -hmm. towards the next injection, if you're spacing out that far you're going to have very little, if any, drug left in your system. And so the question is, you know, is can you still achieve a level of disease control with that type of dosing um, frequency? And, and the question is, we don't know, because it hasn't been studied.
3: Okay.
5: okay. Thank you. Sorry, JT. Thanks. No. Thanks. No, 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 no. Right. I'm like nerding out over here too. So <laughs> because, I, I mean, but... <laughs>
1: Seriously. If 20 year old me could see me right now, she'd be like, What are you doing? <laughs>
5: I'm sitting here like, oh my God. You were gonna be a singer. What are <laughs> you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Talking about glucagons and all of this. But very
3: <laughs> it's yeah. the
8: finale, y'all.
5: Applause, <laughs> applause. Very
3: important stuff. It yeah. is. Yeah.
5: Go ahead, JT. It, I'm it sorry. Is, and, 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 you're fine. <laughs> you all are fine. And you know, Dr. Albert, the, really quick just talking about maintenance we have seen people in the community who have now maybe like reset their weight loss goals and they were in maintenance so now what they've done is they've gone and started back at like ground zero at 2.5 and now they're titrating up is is like that if if you're in maintenance and let's just say you need to tweak your you know weight loss range or weight loss goal to start back at 2.5 and then titrate back up if your maintenance dose is let's just say 7.5 or 10?
9: Um I guess it's not entirely clear to me what what are they trying to do. So they're they're they got to 7.5 I mean because we're doing a hypothetical here. They got to 7.5 and then they stopped it at some point in time.
5: Yeah they uh, let's just say they, they reached their weight loss goal. Okay. They, and now they're tweaking the goal and maybe saying, Hey, I'm, I may want to lose a little bit more. So okay. they're starting back at 2.5 yeah. milligrams and titrating back up.
9: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first off, you know, it's different. Okay. I, yeah. I think, yeah. Obviously it depends on the individual mm-hmm. and, and sort of, what their doctor and them discuss, but I think the the, mm-hmm. the point is, if you look at how these drugs work, um, the weight effects, the blood sugar lowering effects, are dose dependent. So if you are wanting to get, you know, if you are wanting to lose more weight, um, because it would benefit your health, um, generally speaking, you have to increase the dose or increase the potency. And that is because the drug achieves higher concentrations in the target tissues at a given dose. So as I always talk to people, um, because this gets brought up a lot in my community um, and then with patients, the effect of the drug is dose dependent, not time dependent. So people often think, well, if I stay on a dose longer, will I lose more? Will I have more benefit? No, you'll, you'll settle out where you'll settle out you know, after some amount of time. Right, And so for you to have any more of a response, it would be related to the dose, not necessarily related to staying on a particular dose any longer. So that, that's an important part of the discussion. I don't know a lot of doctors know that, but it's important discussion point with um, your doctor is if, if you think you should lose more weight for whatever that reason is, you really should be talking about dose, um, not talking about um, some other consideration.
1: So, like with these Ugh. medicines, I, sometimes I know people will get to the end. Like that's something that happened with me with Vagovi. Now, obviously, like there's variables. There could be things that were changing there. I had a lot of stress <laughs> um, that was going on, um, but I just quit losing, and I but I still felt the effects of the medicine. Still, the reduction of anxiety, you know, still, but not wasn't losing anymore. And if anything, I actually think it was more difficult to get my calories in, and I'm wondering if that's the case. So when I did switch to Manjaro and um, get that sort of, I think I've been able to eat more, you know? And I feel like I've been able to lose more, if that makes sense, because of it. Um, and, and I know they say a lot of times, like, it's the side effect profiles a little kinder. Um, but I am I guess what I'm curious about is, is it is it if I had just... Is what, was, is what you're saying, so make sure I understand, um, is what you're saying that if I had stayed on 2.4, like what I was going to lose is what I was going to lose on that medication, like yeah. even if it was a year from now, like, yeah. but it's not necessarily that I would like not being responding to it anymore because my body's getting used to it, but just because that's it, like that's where I was going to go with it. Is that what you
9: mean? Yeah, I would, I th- uh, sometimes it's easier to use um, an analogy to understand because right. I yeah. think that um, understanding weight, because there's so many different factors that, sure. that end up uh, deciding where someone's weight will be. It's it's a little bit hard to wrap your head around. So I, I often use the blood pressure analogy. If you take a certain blood pressure medicine, you can expect that your blood pressure will lower, lower by a certain amount, right? Your blood pressure is not going to lower beyond that amount, unless you do things that will, you know, compound that effect, like increasing your exercise or, you know, doing whatever else that has a blood pressure lowering effect. Same is true with these medicines, right? There is a biological limit to their effect for a given dose. And for you to have any more clinical benefit, you would have to change some aspect of this sort of equation, right? You would have to modify your diet some way. You would have to increase the dose of the medicine, so on and so forth. So people can think about it as for a given dose for you as an individual, there will be a limit to its effects. And what's important to understand about this is it doesn't mean that the drug is not working. It's just that your body is not dynamically changing. So you often don't experience, and I use the car on the highway analogy to really illustrate that. It's as if you are at your cruising rate. And so it often, you know, when you're in cruise control at the cruising rate on the freeway or the highway, you often don't feel like you're moving at all, right? And that has to do with the way physics work. But when you are accelerating, even if you're at a lower speed, you're accelerating onto the freeway or the highway, you often feel the acceleration, right? It throws you back in your seat, all that. That is what I'm talking about when it comes to the medicine. The medicine is dynamically working till you get to that new steady state. And at that steady state, it may feel like it's not working, but it still is. It has helped lower the anxiety. It has helped you reduce your weight to that level, right? Oh, that yeah. is an active process. It yeah, just is not... Changing right things are not changing, so it feels as if the medicine is not working.
1: Yeah, oh, that's wow. awesome. I love that analogy, that was a good one. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Albert. Sorry, JT, go ahead.
5: <laughs> Thank you being <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> kind to of me. Just put into it goes
3: right. It's a good, yeah. question,
5: JT. Oh, look, what? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, I know it's we- late there in London, London, right. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, it, it's just that uh, the Wi-Fi is better, but it's still somewhat yeah. like iffy. So, excuse me, but I have a question here, and I think this is my last question. So, um, let's you know hit on something a lot of people go through, and I, I may be r- reaching this, which is a plateau. So, what discussions do you have to help patients stay focused? this outside of the spectrum of checking diet or dosage and how can we keep things in in perspective that walk that, you know, walk that road or run up that hill? What would coach, you know, Dr. Albert say, like a person to me who's going between 157 and 160. And I just keep vacillating between, you know, those, those pounds in that range.
9: Yeah, I mean, so in terms of the mindset stuff, right, because that's kind of what you're alluding to right outside of this sort of active interventions. What what kind of mindset speak um, do I go through with patients when they may be hitting plateaus or maybe frustrated by the, the sort of journey they're on? I think one of the things that's really helpful is to kind of ground yourself, right? So I often talk to people, you know, most people didn't get to this state of health in a short time. Right. So you shouldn't expect your body to change on a dime. But I know society has conditioned us to believe that you can get thin in 30 days. Right. Or, you know, as I always call it, it's sort of the Amazon conditioning Right, everything happens quickly, instantaneously. You know, and, and <laughs> even when we don't actively process things that way, we're still subconsciously processing or anticipating Indeed. them to occur shortly. Yeah. So I, I think having that perspective, um, that it will take time and it takes longer to lose an additional pound, the farther you get away from where you, your prior weight was. And that has to do with the dynamic compensation that the body, um, goes through, uh, to really prevent you from losing weight, which is a whole nother topic for another time. But, um, <laughs> But and, and, and then you I talk. Say? To you. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that one's that one's the rat that we go down that rabbit hole plenty. But okay. Um the pillars no, and, of and mental then we, health. Yeah. What were you saying? That's
3: what I always think of. I always think of the all the pillars of mental health that get you through it and like not just the diet and exercise, but like are you reaching out to your community? Are you working on your goals? Are you reading? Are you um if you're doing this, if you're talking to your therapist, things like that, it does help everything
9: stay on cruise control. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel absolutely. No, I mean, you, it, it, it needs to be done holistically for sure. Yep. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes there are areas to improve or optimize that we're not always mm-hmm. considering. And I think those are always worthy of, of sort of reviewing, you know, how are you doing on your sleep? How are you doing managing uh, yeah. your stress and your, your, you know, overall mm-hmm. wellness, whether it's your mental or emotional health, I mean, those are relevant for sure. And oftentimes there are things we could be doing. Those are hard too. And I get that. Like, you know, we do the best we can. Um, the last few things I would say as people are in this journey is um, I don't love results oriented goals. Um,
12: mm-hmm.
9: What I mean by that is like, I'm getting to this number where I'm trying to do this thing. I love process oriented goals. Because it really puts the focus on something very tangible that you can affect. And when you think about it, managing your weight is a lifelong endeavor. It never stops. It doesn't stop when you get to a, a certain number. It never stops, right? And if that's something you value, whether it's some health aspect of that journey, then really, you, the focus should be on the journey, not the, not the sort of destination. And I think what people will find is when they shift to, to more process-oriented thinking, that the results end up taking care of themselves. And so I think that mindset change is really helpful too as you go through the process. Like, make it easy for yourself. Break it apart. What is something I can work on this week? As opposed to saying, oh, I have to get to this number. and I'm still 20 pounds away from my goal. And, you know, it can be very daunting and oftentimes not very helpful. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think all of that is relevant. And then my one of my favorite lines that I always tell you know, you guys and, and other people sort of in the community is like, um, you have to be careful with comparisons because it's like I was watching that video and this person lost a hundred pounds of Manjaro or Duma. and you know, comparison is the thief of joy. The only person that you're competing with is yourself. It's right? you. You're yeah. looking in the mirror every day, you're going to bed with yourself, you're the one who drives your satisfaction, your your happiness. Um, what you value, what's important to you, you're not doing it for anyone but yourself. And so I think keeping that perspective as well throughout this process and centering yourself in some of those principles, I think really help. And um you know, it's not everything, but it's something I think that's important. Yeah.
5: But that's I'm and I'm sorry, that that is that is so great that you said that, but I think that we here Kat and Kim and I hear, and I know you probably do too, in the community, well, I just took my first or my second injection of 2.5, and I don't have appetite suppression yet, or what am I doing wrong, or why is it working, and, and, and the comparison of, well, how much should I expect to lose, and it's very disheartening to hear. And it's just like, when See, I people... I think it makes
1: total sense, though. It's diet culture. It's just like yeah, if you were to take Phenomene. It's just like, like,
5: they're just like, you know, that's how you think. Out. And it's just like, whoa, stop, yeah. breathe. And, but I know it's easier said than done. But when you have so many people that have that thought process, when you do tell them, enjoy the process, don't don't compare yourselves to others. Is that just so deep, deep seated and deep rooted that that's like beyond, you know, telling people don't, you know, Hey, don't compare yourselves, but it just seems like there's so much, I don't know if it's apprehension or fear yeah. I don't know, fear of failure. I don't know, but yeah. it's just something that I've just noticed. And I'm not saying that I'm I'm above it because <laughs> trust me, I'm not. But it's just that you just kind of observe things, especially in lives, especially yeah. with a lot of the new with the community. And it's like what what else can you say or what else can you do to like help them along the way? So it's not so Fear-based, if that makes sense.
9: Yeah, I mean, um, you're right. I mean, it's baked into our culture. It's baked into society, this sort of comparison culture. And, you know, I've just seen it too many times. When your purpose is driven by external validation, you're always searching. Right? You're never content. And I think that that is so problematic because if you're really trying to help yourself, uh, you know. That part. (laughs) <laughs> you, you can only help you. I mean, really. And um, I, I think that this is where having a collaborator, whether it's a coach, a physician, whoever it is, where you have that sort of really more intimate network of people that you can work with on your journey is super yeah. helpful. Um, mm-hmm. That's not to say that that people in the community can't be helpful and give insights. But I think to have someone that you can that can help you stay grounded and accountable and sort of who understands you and your thought process and your mindset and, and can work with you in and, and the process. That's why I think it's, it's really helpful to work with someone um, because yeah. so much of your health journey um, happens between here. And I don't mean okay. the effect of the drugs here. I mean <laughs> sort of the thoughts the, ears,
12: the connections. Yeah.
9: yeah. You know, it's so much here. And and maybe that's not such a big deal for you in the first six months. It will, will be a big deal at some point, I promise. It will. And yeah. so, you know, maybe it's 12 months, 24 months. At some point it will come up. And if yes. you haven't done work up here, yes. you're gonna struggle at some point or struggle a lot. And and so I think working with people who can be supportive, who can help you develop those insights, help you understand yourself, support you through that process, keep you grounded so you're not constantly falling into that sort of problematic culture. I think, uh, I think is incredibly underrated. Yeah.
1: Yeah. JT and I, like we, we, I would say like we really focus on our lives Um, to being an ear and being able to give our perspective to things. But I'm telling you, 50% of the time, we just say, you need to talk to your doctor because we can tell people like what our experience is, but I know that the reason this is coming us, because people are either, they either don't have the money or they don't have the resources, they don't have the network or and there. That's, that's a huge problem, you know? So when they come to us, you know, we say, Hey, this is what it's kind of like for me. This is what I've heard from other communities, but from what you're telling me, you know, like a violent reaction where you're vomiting, you know, those kinds of things, that's mm-hmm. a doctor conversation. And we, we tend to push back a lot on that. So we try to find kind of like that happy medium of support because they may not have a care team. I mean, I think, I think something to consider is that that is a very privileged thing that people are able to have as a care team, you know, and even these medicines, unfortunately I think are also people are in a privileged position to be able to take them, which is not okay. And we want to change that, you know, but I, I think there has to be like this, sort of commonality or, or, I don't know, happy medium, you know, that we're able to support from a community perspective, because I don't think I would have even talked to my doctor about things if it hadn't been for someone in my community going, it's time, it's time, Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes I think we have to hear that from people that look like us, you know, I think, anyway, that's just my opinion, you know, sorry. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: It's, it's, and, And, you know, also when you have a community, I didn't find these ladies until like January of 2023. I had made a TikTok account. I'd never posted a video. I didn't know anything about these medications. And and like my doctor just said, and this is not a slight to her, take it on a friday just in case you have side effects she said you may have <laughs> gi side effects and that's what i knew. <laughs> and, and and so i like walk my little happy tail right out the doctor's office like yeah okay so
19: <laughs> yeah
5: now what do i do and 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 it's just so comforting to have, you know, you, Dr. Albert, where you, you know, come on and you give your time and you explain not just yes. the, what you should do, but the why we should do it and how it affects our body and how it it's affects so our mind because it's so helpful. The aha and,
1: moments, right? JT, it, like it, those, you, you and I have a where we're like, oh,
5: I, the, we Dr. Albert all I, the time. I, that, we'll like, send them to no. each other. Yeah and and like and like even today when you have people when people see a picture of you like I'm I'm in London right now and it's a little chilly outside so I had on a jacket but I took the jacket off when I got to Buckingham Palace because of the gold arches and I just thought I wanted to take the jacket off I sent the picture to a friend and they said don't lose any more weight yeah and Dr. Albert, what wh- or how would you recommend people in the community? <laughs> That's like so unfair.
3: That? <laughs> it's like you just put them in the hot seats. So- no, <laughs> I didn't. Tell me, What, what comeback Albert? would
1: you say to this stupid
3: ass
5: person? <laughs> <laughs> we heart you, Dr. Albert, but but like Petty and me wanted. Hmm. To come out and play the but I was like, no. You should put some funny help.
1: Too. It's part of the journey. I mean, people <laughs> are always gonna like, and that's there I didn't to want to be to too petty
5: today. You know? I was like, Yeah. Did you just I hope somebody I tells
1: me do don't do lose any more weight? Do it. Do <laughs> it. Do it. <laughs> I know it. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Albert can feel me. <laughs>
5: I wanted to be like Dr. Albert and and like have a quote up and be like, Yeah, you do.
1: Do dances. But I I was like, No, no,
5: I'm not going to do that today. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you, Dr. Albert.
1: And then um, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, I said nothing.
3: love it so much. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like when it's kind of like your own, that's, that's yeah. your own little way to.
1: But I think everybody's going to have that you at some point. Way you to know, handle
3: and,
1: yeah. So one thing I would say is that what I have learned in life is that when people make comments like that, any comment like that, it's way more about their insecurities than it is about you. And that is very freeing to me and this other half of my life you know, because it's easier for me to forgive and extend grace. I mean, don't get me wrong. Y'all know I'll shut people down, but it's easier for me to move on for me when I can recognize that they're the ones that have an issue and they're just projecting, you know, and that just makes it easier for me. It's not about them. It's about me being able to move on and not have my feelings hurt because I am very smushy. You know, but I guess like,
9: like, okay. I can't remember. There was some influencer who had like one of the best lines. They said, Anytime someone makes an unwanted comment or unsolicited comment, they I always tell myself or I say aloud, I don't receive that. So it's like, <laughs> You keep the powers. Like, I don't receive that comment, I never let yeah. it sort of get to me. Um,
16: yeah. and I just yeah. thought
9: the way that you've like changed the wording on that, it's like, I'm not even this is, you decided to put this out there, but I'm not, I'm not going to internalize it. I don't receive it. That was pretty, pretty brilliant. Uh, reframe. And so I love, I love the, I love, you know, some of those changes. Those
3: those reframe responses are great. Or like, did, what did you mean by that? Like when you ask somebody, uh, like when you feel like maybe it might be backhanded or anything like that, did, did you mean that? What did you mean by that? Yeah. Um, what I mentioned as well like I, I had the opposite because I have lost and gained weight so many times but I remember the first time I gained like I lost 50 pounds it was like 20 years ago it was the exact opposite and I'll just touch a little bit on this my mother said absolutely nothing when she saw me so that's yeah. that's when and then I had to learn that you know you're so used to being the scapegoat and you're supposed to, you still learn used to being like the butt of jokes that she didn't know what to do. it was yeah. deep. That's been 20 That's years. Been <laughs> That's some therapy. <laughs> you me but that, mental it, health. We're going to have to yeah. do that mental health one and
1: trauma. We yeah. got to get into that.
3: That's <laughs> like, what the is. trauma does yeah. to the brain.
1: I'm looking for a neurologist. Like, I'm on it. I'm on it. We're, We're going to do that. It, the whole so, spectrum. Yes.
3: And Dr. Albert handles all of this, but yeah, probably not all of the whole, all the pillars. You can't, well, I don't know. Are you, are you coach, coach Dr. Albert too sometimes? So, you know. Yeah. I, know, but yeah. I get I it. I do what I
9: can. I do what I can. I'll just put it that way. Yeah,
3: Yep. So everybody fits a piece of the puzzle. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I hope we move forward in society. Like I have seen, I have seen some videos that you've done where you've been like, God, I just feel like it's, it's such a fight and it's such a battle. And like, I will say it's really nice as someone who is a patient that's going through this to see that a doctor feels that too, to see that a doctor is showing up and like fighting for us, you know, because That has not been the case, you know, and we know there's lots of reasons for that, you know, but regardless it isn't and it's nice to be able to see, you know, and it gives us hope. So we appreciate you so much for the things that you do because I know that you don't have to make that content. I know that you don't have to tell us those things. I know that you could keep that up to yourself and only for your patients and all of those different things, but you don't because you want to make a difference and change things. So we love having you on the show because of that. So, thank you so much for what you We did. love it. It means the world to Thanks us and our community. So, thank you so much for coming. I know we've Yay. kept you over time and we appreciate your patience with our technical difficulties <coughs> journey. Um, and <laughs> it's been great. I think this is a really good way to end our first season. Yeah. What do you think, guys? Start I with Dr. So. Everett in with it. Oh, we're we going to we have to work him in next. We're we going to do for season two. We're coming, coming <laughs> at you. I don't know. Oh, if we haven't <laughs> worn you out yet.
3: So, like, if, you yeah. if you haven't, yeah, if you haven't worn out our
1: welcome yet, right? So, but yeah, we appreciate so it my- <laughs> so much. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him when he's on a live, be like Dr. Albert.
3: <laughs> That's what they <I> do.
5: <laughs> so, what were you saying? recall like, on-, on the show.
1: Yes, Kim, I'll come on the show. <laughs> I love it. He's yeah. a busy bee, <laughs> he does what he can. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, um, but you know, I think, I think we're out, guys. It's, It's a wrap 24 episodes. We t- and there's still so much more to talk about. So we promise community we're going to keep the conversation going. And luckily, we've got some really good sponsors and some things coming up, which means I can do paid marketing and get as loud as we possibly can, you know? Yes. So all of those things just help move all of this forward. Um, and we appreciate your support and you engaging with the content. And we hope that you're learning something. And I think that, I mean, it's, it's a blessing. I, I truly feel honored that we are in this position to be able to help in any way. And the messages that you send us about the way that certain things resonate with you and that you don't feel alone and that it's not your fault and you understand that your disease better and these medicines, like they live for them. I live for them. This was what it feels like to be a doctor. (laughs) To go, oh my god, I fixed something. Although I didn't fix shit. But you know, like I mean that feeling, like it must be like so cool to help people all the time. Like, I can't even imagine. I couldn't go, I couldn't be a doctor. I was bad at science and math. <laughs> Just a communicator indicator. And clearly, I'm doing a wonderful job right now. Anywho, so I think that's good. Y'all got any uh classic takeaways?
3: Anything? No? Let's go, coach Dr. Albert.
2: Yes. Albert's. Oh. (laughs) Coach (laughs) (laughs)
3: It's like, you guys are really weird. Well,
1: we will literally see you you in a week because I already have all of September planned out. We're going to be talking about menopause and all these different things. So, i we got mental health coming up. Like, I'm going to find a neurologist. I'm on the hunt. Dinosaur monkey farts on the hunt. (laughs) Find a neurologist. It's going to happen. I got to go charm somebody. I'll work it out. Okay. All right. Great. So that is a wrap team. We'll see you in a week. Thanks so much for the first great season.
12: Say goodbye
0: to restrictive weight loss methods and hello to IVIM, the number one prescriber of GLP-1 medications glp ones curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy, and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. iVeam is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable, and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for free and get 20% off our accessibility programs.